0: another week that is just white hot getting hotter by the minute street heat miami baby Woo. a lot Ugh. of stuff going on i'm just gonna tease it we're gonna mention the outro but there was a white hot interview last night oprah the first lady the queen of interviews just dropped a bombshell on us
1: wow you said queen she's the queen that had something Absolutely. to do with it what a pun! It did <laughs> threw that pun like a fastball. Sure. We straight got puns. straight down the gully.
0: puns on <laughs> <And> screen heat. <laughs> but yes, that's going to be exciting. Uh, I'm JL Martinez with your co-host Kevin Sharpley Yes, and we are brought to you as always by Kijik Multimedia, Cinevision the Miami media and film market, and Chemical. Oh yes. And, of course, we have a special guest back on the show, one of our favorite recurring segments, the one and only Intern Andre, is dropping by today.
2: What's up, guys?
1: Speaking of uh, (laughs) fastballs, he might throw throw a curveball. Maybe.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Can't wait to hear what Intern Andre has for us today.
1: We got to load that one up.
0: Oh, yes. And speaking of guys who are just multi talented and probably look like they belong on a baseball field,
1: our guest today, the one and only Jordi Villasuso. Emmy award winning actor. Jordi Villasuso. You got to put that first. Emmy Emmy
0: award winning actor. Yeah, I guess it's when you get like it's like when you get a royal title I'm giving more born puns. He has to have that preceding <laughs> his his introduction from from this point out. It's almost like being knighted. That's right. <laughs> in in Hollywood. If there I you go right now I just have indie film festivals, but eventually we'll get we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to the Emmys and Golden
1: Globes. <laughs> yeah, but festivals, the Miami Film Festival is happening right now. So
0: that's right, yeah. Always want to give a quick drop for our favorite local festival, the Miami Film Festival, which is running through this weekend.
1: Yeah. Mr. Jay Laplante. Yeah. You can hear ah. his interview on Screen Heat Miami, the executive director of the Miami oh, Film yes. Festival. That was a fun interview. It's co sponsoring, along with the Miami Film Festival, our 10th annual, actually, it's our 11th, producing in Florida and beyond. This one is a conversation with Gregory Allen Howard, and it will not disappoint. Gregory Allen Howard, it's everything from Remember the Titans to Harriet. Nice, dude. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Also, yeah. a screen heat guest, by the way. That's right. You can hear that podcast, and you're going to hear some other insider info if you check into that conversation with MiamiFilmFestival.com saturday saturday the 13th check it out Ooh, saturday the 13th yep <laughs> magic number you're a day late and a chainsaw short
0: <laughs> the 13th <laughs> of saturday that's gonna be exciting yeah but uh but yes uh we've got we've got some interesting topics before we get to jordy starting with some news in my opinion that stinks which is that (laughs) you did say you have the puns (laughs) i'm bringing the puns all day Uh, peppy the apparently is no longer acceptable for the warner brothers looney tunes family and it has been unceremoniously ousted from the uh apparently from from the from from the sequel to space jam as well as probably any other future Warner Brothers projects. A little rapey. Uh, Apparently, uh, the New York Times did do an op-ed recently saying how Pepe Le Pew, the the animated character from Warner Brothers that dates back to the mid-1940s, has, quote, normalized rape culture. So a little, a little rapey, <laughs> a little rapey. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, he, he, he likes black cats painted white. I, I don't know what to make of that.
1: No means no. <laughs> to be honest. That's it.
0: Right. Even if you're, even if you're in, in the feline uh, species, no means no. So, so yeah, that's uh, unfortunately, we're not gonna be able to hear that that fake French accent is yeah. aggressively romantic skunk. <laughs> He's Increases out chances. Who the heck knows? He's out. Who the hell knows? But yeah. He struck out. Struck out at the bat. No more Peppy Le Piu. <laughs> oh, yeah. Peppy. We'll miss you, Peppy. It's okay. We're we're all evolving, as they say. And this is the twenty twenty version of our world. Uh, which speaking of worlds, let's talk about Disney World, specifically the Magic
1: Kingdoms. Right. Before we talk about Disney World, though, I wanted to talk about something else that got canceled. Dr. Seuss. Oh, yes. Dr. Seuss.
0: Yes. Going back to Dr. Seuss. So essentially this being the month of March, which uh, a lot of folks uh, who don't have children in school uh, would not know that March is is the birth month, apparently, of the author of Dr. Seuss books. Dr. Seuss. And traditionally, this is the month where kids dress up as their favorite Dr. Seuss character. Usually it's the cat in the hat. They go to school and they bring their favorite Dr. Seuss book and it's a whole Dr. Seuss celebration. Except this year, uh, there's a bit of controversy surrounding the Dr. Seuss world in the sense that certain books uh, are being pulled from the Dr. Seuss catalog because they have deemed to have racist images from the past. And so Dr. Seuss, the company, I guess that holds all the rights to all these books, has said these six books are no longer appropriate and have pulled them from the shelves. So Dr. Seuss continues to exist minus those six titles.
1: Six books, that's it.
0: Yep, that's what it, that's what it boils down to. But luckily, their most popular books, including The Cat and the Hat, are, are not on that list. So if you're, if you're a Cat in the Hat fan, you're safe.
1: They still have a lot of books. Oh, yeah. The, Dr. Those. Seuss is the best-selling author in the world. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah,
0: he's the number one children's author for sure. He even has a theme land at Universal Studios in Orlando, uh, Seuss Landing, which is still around. So, so we'll see if that evolves. But for the time being, yes, Dr. Seuss remains very popular Amongst children and schools, minus those six titles.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Makes you you sound a little choked up there, JL. JL Martinez. A bit emotional.
0: I was a big Dr. Seuss <laughs> fan when I was a kid. So oh, it's going to take me a minute,
1: but I understand. It might be Look, your internet.
0: I think <laughs> it, it, it might be my internet too. Uh, so what, what I would say is, You know, Dr. Seuss has always been a fan favorite. You know, he's taught a lot of kids how to read, how to rhyme. You know, maybe some careers like Eminem, who knows, can be (laughs) pit bull, can be attuned to like, you know, just reading a lot of Dr. Seuss books and understanding, you know, pace and rhythm and rhyme. and, And just a lot of good stuff has come from the Dr. Seuss universe. And, you know, he's been appreciated and read as you said, Kevin, all over the world by all sorts of different cultures and nationalities and races. So I think the Dr. Seuss franchise will survive this, you know, bit of controversy. And and they're just going to be fine with with the titles that do still remain in, in the public sphere, so to speak.
1: Intern Andre, this was something. I mean, I couldn't believe it. Several episodes ago, Intern Andre brought up The Magic Kingdom universe. And I was like, in turn, Andre, I love you, man. I I don't know. I mean, you always come with it. Okay, I'm going to try to go with this. But lo and behold, it's true. (laughs) It's true. I was just reading about the ascension of Disney and how well they're doing with Disney Plus and their plans for the future and one of the plans is the magic kingdom universe. Good one intern Andre.
3: Thank you, thank you.
1: Can you double down on that or triple down?
3: Hit yeah, a triple?
1: Do yeah. it? hit a triple on that? <laughs>
3: a whole run? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll take a swing at it. Um <laughs> it, it, it's I, I'm a very big uh well the, the house I grew up in were very very big Disney fans. Uh I got, like, a bunch of Funko Pops over there, the Keyblade in the background from Kingdom Hearts. Um, so we we follow along, me and my sister at least, follow along with, with news of the parks, especially the parks. We're very big parks fans. Uh, we know all the stories that they made specifically for the parks, and I, I kind of had a theory when they were doing the Jungle Cruise movie, and it's starring the uh, The Rock and Emily Blunt. It was supposed to come out last year, I think. It's coming out this year. Um I feel I feel like they would try to tie it into like uh, the new Pirates of the Caribbean, because they're making like a, a, a reboot kind of. But that was just a theory until I started seeing like they they're trying to update the ride as well. They're trying to put new stuff in the ride. And it's like a classic Disney ride. Whenever you touch a Disney ride, people online get pissed. They get so angry. Mayhem. Yeah. They get really angry. But I was like, this is interesting. This is, I wonder why they're doing it. And I think it was last week or, or a week and a half ago is when they announced um, Ron Moore, who helped with the new Star Trek and Battlestar Galactica. Uh, he's gonna oversee the, the 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 Magic Kingdom universe, starting out with uh, the Society of Explorers and Adventurers, or Sea for short, which does also tie into the Jungle Cruise, the Haunted Mansion, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. It all it's kind of like the Avengers for Magic Kingdom. It's very very interesting. Uh, there are a a lot of different stories that have already been told in the parts. Uh, no one knows if they're going to go with that story, or if they're going to bring in someone new and, it, and introduce all the old characters with the new character. Uh, it is still very much hush-hush right now, but for sure they're starting off with the society, which is very, very cool, I think, as a fan of the parks,
1: That's awesome. You're naming names and everything. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's fascinating.
0: Again, because we have kids, uh, Walt Disney World is a staple of our summer vacation time and so i'm i'm interested to see it because you know i walk around those parks and i wonder you know what's going to be the next film and and you know traditionally disney has been into these sort of one-offs right we saw haunted mansion eddie murphy was in that uh like you said the jungle book pirates of the caribbean extraordinarily successful they even worked the johnny depp character into the ride itself as that's evolved is he still there now to kind of he's still there yeah, it I was recently good. there for my my middle daughter's birthday, and and he is still represented. Uh, a little bit you know, angry.
1: they put a scowl. On a his. little
0: angry. Yeah, a little more salty to use the pirate terminology. <laughs> Arrgh. Arrgh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh But yeah, he's still there doing his thing. Hello, like, I'm just Johnny Depp. How you doing? Uh, and so, so he's there and, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see that if there was a sort of cinematic universe that could tie those worlds together, you know, I know that they also tried in future land, you know, there was a Tomorrowland. you know, that was, remember that movie that yeah, came yeah. out a while ago that didn't do as well, uh, as some of the others. But, you know, I think if there's a way to kind of tie it into the Disney fandom,
1: so yeah. to speak, it's a slugfest now. Everybody has to come out with the Aha movie, the movie to beat for the week. And Amazon has come up with another blast from the past. Everybody's mining that IP. Coming to America. Oh, yeah.
0: Brought yeah, it back. Huge hit. Brought it back. They brought all the old characters, all the greatest hits of the original film. And, uh, you know, obviously my favorite being the barbershop scenes, which are phenomenal. And just like, you know, it felt like, you know, so, like like that golden age of 80s fun, just relaxed cinema. And and it was cool. I, I enjoyed it a lot and did great for Amazon. Apparently uh, they didn't release specific numbers, but it just kind of blew the past year. Apparently it, it was one of the most binged movies, even surpassing Wonder Woman and the Borat sequel. Oh, so it's, wow. It's been doing, yeah, phenomenally well for Amazon. You want to
1: know what its did first,
0: it? What do you think it was? Sexual chocolate.
1: <laughs> ah, you got to bring <laughs> back sexual chocolate. Uh, sexual chocolate. Uh-huh. Kevin, uh-huh. uh-huh. aha, <laughs> <laughs> aha. It was a lot of fun, man. I mean, You know, the first one was novel, and it really did have a lot of um, freshness to it. This one was a rehash of a lot of different things, but it was Mm -hmm. nice to revisit. And although the story wasn't as intricately woven as, let's say, a Nolan tale, um, it was good to just kind of relax, sit back, and kind of take it all in. And I did a a drive-in night that night. So it really worked. I saw the United States versus Billy Holiday, which was just talk about getting hit in the head with a baseball bat. (laughs) That one, that'll knock you out. So you need to (laughs) to bring you back to life. You need that comedy to to get you back up there. United States, United States versus Billy Holiday. Miss um, Day won the Golden Globe for the, her for her performance, and she deserved it. I mean, she took it there, she took it there, right. she took it over there, she brought it back here, and you know, so that was that was something else. So that was Hulu. So everybody has something that's keeping you glued, glued, glued to these streamers. Yep, um, I was I mean, going
0: to say it's the streaming wars. They are hot. And they're getting only hotter, especially now that Paramount Plus is out, is running around out there. Like, every week it's just a battle for
1: those streams and those subscribers. Those subscribers, yeah. But, you know, regular TV had something big. CBS. CBS had something big yesterday.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think we we're going to get that. Absolutely in the outro. Do you want to do it now or do you just want to tease it? We got to tease. Just like tease, they do
1: on the streamers. Absolutely, because we definitely have to get to our boy, Jordy Villasuso. We're trying to get that Emmy, too. We're teasing. <laughs> Jordy already got his. There you go. So we're going to give you, without further ado, Emmy Award winning actor and a phenomenal one at that. Big screen, small screen. He does it all. Mr. Jordy Villasuso. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we are here with my good friend Jordi Villasuso. Our good friend Jordi yeah. Villasuso, one on of that. my favorite actors.
2: Uh thank you. Thank you, brother. One uh, of my favorite humans. Super talented. Thank
1: you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and, and we all we we already started this conversation and I realized I wasn't. Taping, so it's a bad on me. But we can continue. Continue. Take two. As great <laughs> as it's
0: gonna be, just imagine what you just missed.
1: Yeah, uh, we're gonna bring it back. <laughs> so, what we were talking we were talking about uh, your show being one of the first shows to start there in California. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah it was, it's been, and we haven't shut down either, which is a tribute to our show. I can't speak for the other shows but we haven't shut down once. Uh, we have really strict protocols every Tuesday and Friday. Uh, we test and for them, I think that keeps them safe to a certain point. Um, we have our, I guess what you call our nurse tech, the person who Sony brought on to kind of advise everyone in terms of what the COVID um, restrictions would be. Uh, what limitations we would have. And every day before we start taping, it's like almost like high school announcements. She'll come on and she'll remind everyone of social distancing, wear a mask at all times. And, and sometimes, uh, I can't say that I was um, guilty of this or not, but if you're wearing your mask down and you're outside, they'll come up and they'll be like, you got to put your mask on, even outside. So it's oh, really wow. hardcore. And that's, how I, that's how I feel at Target, by the way. <laughs> In Miami, that's how Target is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super. Yeah, definitely. The mask police. <laughs> uh, the mask police is everywhere. <laughs> but uh, they've, 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 done, they've done a great job, man. They've really, uh, you know, all the cast is super uh, on board. We all just want to work at the end of the day. Uh, we had like a uh, four months if you want to call it a hiatus, you could call it that uh, when we first shut down, when LA first shut down and uh, yeah, basically, you know, social distancing for the most part, there are cast members who are uh, together. And so I think um, story is um, influenced a little bit and kind of, they're able to use that to physicalize a lot of the relationships because, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's a daytime soap. We tell love stories and, you kind of want to give that. you, you want to give that to the audience. And for, I just got married on the show, uh, for their January 1st, um, for their new year's episode. And for that show in particular, we did uh, rapid testing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to shoot Thursday. Um, and, uh, they felt that that was the best kind of procedure to able to have some, more intimate. Um, oh, right, right. So you can kiss the bride, you can mm-hmm. hold her hand, what have you, you know. But other than that, it's really, uh, it, it feels very kind of, the blocking is, is, is it, and it's always been like this, but right now, since you have like this space that you have to preserve, it, it almost feels like you're creating like a stage performance, like a theatri- theatricality for the, for the audience.
1: Right. So you have um, to use some Alfred Hitchcock Trickery. black yeah. trickery.
2: Yeah. And 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 props to uh, the camera department and the directors that that are making it work, man. You know, we're all it's it's just like a it's like a challenging way to figure it out. And I think the producers are are always trying to be creative in terms of how we do it. Hopefully, I don't know, with this vaccine we'll be able to um, that this whole that's will to be able to tell these stories more intimately and, and closer. Yeah. You know as we, as actors, you like to have that. i I like to be physical. I like to, you know, um, especially in love stories, you know, you're hurting, you're trying to comfort them. You want to hold their hand at least,
0: you know? Yeah. The the level of authenticity that seems to be sort of missing because of the safety guidelines right now.
2: Yeah. And, Uh and, and the audience for the most part has been pretty, they've been very supportive. I mean, we actually, we actually had the highest ratings, uh, we've had for that um for that new Year's show which was great you know oh fun. great yeah that is that's awesome hugely awesome
1: yeah
0: but i um I, I think you know as we always say in screen Heat, it's always about the journey so i want to take a step back even before way before covid if any of you can remember what 2019 <laughs> looked like uh and even before then well way uh, way way before way, oh, i want to go away like we want to go to baby geordie where, hey, where, what is, who is, yeah, Jordy, where are you from? Where are you from originally? And, and how did you get into this whole showbiz?
2: 305. Yeah, man. Uh, 305, I, uh, I I think kicking and screaming, I wanted, when I first, you know, saw the, the TV and saw what people were doing, I was highly influenced and inspired by that. Uh, my dad used to take me to the movies at a young age and uh, cinema was huge, had a huge uh I would you know literally lock myself in my room and replay these movies in my room with my guns and my toys and you know whatever just just in this little world of my own and and retell the stories and then um my parents you know being Cuban exiles, um, not my my father's a a doctor, my mother's a school teacher, and they were kind of like they thought the acting thing would lead to you name it drugs, uh you know. Bad, just bad stuff, really. And they, they were scared because they had no relationship to, to the business. Uh, but again, kicking and screaming, my uh, grade school, Epiphany, uh, which is down there in South, South Miami, they had opened a drama club when I was 10 or 11. And uh, I saw this girl, and never forget, Kristen Carpenter, or what is it? Kristen something. She was wonderful, and I was like, Yo, she is so good, and she got the lead, so I was like, I'm gonna do that. So, the next play, I got the lead role, and my parents, like, okay, and they got me headshots. I ended up signing with uh, uh, an agent down there, a couple agencies down there doing print, what have you. And then there was a woman by the name of Marjorie Morhaim, who is uh, Lori Wyman's sister. Who together they cast uh Miami Vice, what have you. And she did a children's uh kind of TV film workshop. And she saw something in me and told my parents, like, listen, I think this kid has the goods. And uh, she took me to LA when I was 13, 12, 13, and I signed with uh Goldmarshak Likey at the time. Bonnie Likey was Leonardo DiCaprio's agent when he started, and I signed with them and uh And then I would just send tape back and forth to L.A. throughout high school. And for whatever reason, the soaps really took to me. And I started testing for soaps when I was 17. Uh, And then I moved to L.A. when I was 18. During that time when I was in high school, I did a lot of theater um, hit or miss a couple shows, whatever was available in South Florida at the time, because there wasn't a lot going on during that time. I Someone sent me over Twitter a picture of me on a, I did a, one of those reenactment shows for America's Most Wanted. And I did one of those shows when I was a kid and she sent me the picture uh, over her social media. But I, 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 listen, I would do anything just, just to work. And then when I was 18, that was back in what, 1999, um, I had a full scholarship to the University of Miami, but decided to not take it and move to Los Angeles and to pursue a professional career in acting in L.A. I had representation. I had my SAG card, so I was ready to go. And then um, it was tough, you know, living at the Oakwood Apartments, like a lot of transplants do in L.A. They A lot of actors, it's like this little nook off of Barham barn boulevard uh where all the actors kind of stay for a couple months during pilot season hopefully to land a pilot and then that'll wow. tell you whether you're able to stay in la or not uh, but i ended up just getting out of there and getting my own apartment and uh and the first thing i did with in la was buffy the vampire slayer i had a small role on that and then i got my first uh role um in a daytime show and i moved to new york when i was 19 and that was guiding light right and, uh, I did that for some years, I had a great character, a lot of fun. Um, and then, but I, I always wanted to pursue film and, and, uh, primetime television and, and theater to tell you, mm-hmm. I just wanted to kind of like see what I could do. Um, mm-hmm. I signed with a big agency and I moved back to LA and, uh, and, you know, did the you know i got a gig here i got a guest star i got a movie i got this and that but there's nothing as consistent as where i'm at now i mean literally i'm i get i i call it the office i go to the office i get to come home to my kids there's no gig like that yeah um, so it's it's great you know and when there's opportunities to do other things if they come up uh which they have, you know, that's usually in the discretion of the producers, but there are things that I'm able to do um, later on in my contract year that hopefully I'll I'll get those opportunities to do.
1: Yeah, so you started, I mean, you were a young man and you were really, you know, making your way. So that path was already clear. 18, 10, because you did say 10, you know, but... 18, 19, you know, living in California, New York, the
2: concrete yeah. jungle. It was great. So, <laughs> so fun. You can imagine my friends were all going to college, and they were watching me on a daytime soap opera while I, while they were, you know, studying what have you. And I was just having a ball in, in New York. You were, you were living the dream. <laughs> yeah, and it's so funny because I it, see. There's, uh, uh, you know, you hear people when they know when when you're. I have children. I have an eight-year-old and she, right now she's enthralled with gymnastics. Like she lives for it. And she just knows that that's what she wants to do. And my wife and I were like, oh, gymnastics, you know, that's, kids get a lot of injuries with gymnastics. There's that whole theory that they'll stunt their growth, what have you. Um, but, the passion and fire that she has for, I could not take it away from her. I had to encourage it. So my wife was like, we got to give it to him. And I think when you have that vision at such a young age of knowing what you want to do, I think at least right now, um, I think you have to encourage that. And lucky enough, when my parents saw me on stage and saw how bad I wanted it, they, uh, they were very supportive. Um, right. And, you know, thank God I, been able to be a working actor for what close to 20 years now yeah years, you know? yeah that's that's huge you
1: yeah. know I, I met you at an acting workshop actually mm-hmm. i don't know if you remember uh mark mccallum i do, I do. Roy wyman's husbands
2: I do. Um, I, do. I do mark for a long time
1: yeah his 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 acting workshop and you know i still dabble from time to time for sure Here in miami it's it's yeah. not the easiest thing anymore but um you know, there's a lot to be said about having that longevity, you know, for yeah. a career such as that. And yeah. then being in a place where, you know, you're able to really have a schedule, you know, and, and have a way where you can raise a family mm-hmm. and spend time with your family. And, and, you know, that that's that's a lot there. But also to have a career where, you know, when it was difficult for a lot of people in front of the camera to you know continue to stay in front of the camera you, know, you all were some of the first people to trailblaze and and to yep. make that work and that made me think a little bit about um you know when they were starting to establish a protocol about mm-hmm. how productions were going to operate and it made me think you know perhaps some of what you all did in those first weeks and months, help to inform a way for other productions to forge forward. So, you know, there's a lot to be said about that, too.
2: Yeah, Sony... So Sony Studios owns Young and the Restless and it's distributed on CBS. And they... At the studio itself in Culver City, they have... um, Man, it looks like something out of... uh, Like an Armageddon movie. They have all these tents set up... It's really uh, something, and they have everyday cars pull in, and that's where they do the rapid testing. At my studio, for my production, they test us Tuesday and Friday, unless from what from my experience they need to do more intimate scenes, and then you'll test uh, daily. Yeah. Um, but Sony's done a great job, and I think they they were one of the first to to do it, um, and you know, it's we've had cases, but it's they've been able to just really just like really pinpoint where the case is. They did the, the tracing and, and it hasn't spread. Yeah. So to their credit, they've done a really good job. Um It's awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. it's I can
1: something. imagine, you know, if you're just, you know, some actor that you come there once a week or something like that. And you see one of the main actresses, you could... Try to spark up a relationship with that main yeah, actor. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's, get man, your career the show. That's <laughs> yeah, there be. you go.
0: Yeah. I didn't. I didn't think of it that
2: way, exactly, Kevin. Wow. Oh, sorry,
1: that's, my conniving ways. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's that's. Uh, you, you have to. That main actress would really have to be willing to. She. Oh, oh, he's yeah. he, Some people he's got worth, game like he's that. He's
0: worth quarantining with.
2: Yeah,
1: exactly. 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 Yeah. But um, I do have to talk about, because I've worked with you as an actor as well. Yeah. So, you know, I do have to talk about your versatility as an actor. Oh, because in the piece that we did, you learned some fighting choreography in one day, quite a bit of fighting choreography, yeah. you know, in, in, in one day. And so, yeah. um, you know, I have to speak a lot about just that kind of interface on that level too so in in that for me that workshop you were one of the standouts if not the standout of that workshop Thank you. but but also working with you you know in this level and and seeing your dedication to the craft and yeah. seeing you know the way that you just you know put your head down and get it done and yeah. get the work
2: done you know so there's yeah. a lot to be said about that too. There's a lot to be said about the training, right? I've, I've, I've had the fortunate experience to train with some just masters out here um, in terms of some of the teachers I've trained with have taught at Juilliard, all the big schools, and I really kind of, like, looked for that um, because, you know, you can waste a lot of time with classes, and I always tell people, like, hey, listen, if you're going to come to L.A., First off, the first thing I tell people if they're going to pursue this career is they're going to go through the obstacles and really the um, kind of the warfare of trying to become an actor out here is get into a casting office, like literally work for free, bring them coffee and ask to sit in a room so you can watch people work. Um, The auditioning process is such a conundrum there's so many things at work it's never really clear why they choose who they choose but I know for me even if I don't get it or I don't I always want to leave like a little bit of magic in that room like for me that's like where it's at and that's when either I surprise myself or something creatively happened and I'm not kind of like felt that I'm at the um I'm not a victim of whoever's, whoever I'm dealing with. I'm like, no, I have something to say and and I'm going to surprise you. So for me, that's always what it's been. And I've been fortunate to meet, to have and trained with teachers who, who've taught me how to do that, you know? Um, and I think, uh, with, with the project that we worked on, it's really, you know, physicality, staying in shape, um, doing a lot of things that help you develop as an actor, whether that's, you know, yoga or stage work or voice work, all that stuff that really gets you out of your head and in your body. Cause yeah. I think that's when things just click much easier. Like if you're in your head and you're like, think, trying to put in a, you're going to have to go through shit for it to finally just happen. And I think you have to understand that, um, in terms of if you want to grow as an actor, that's really where where you have to come from.
1: Yeah, since we're in the technical part of it, and I'd like to always ask actors that do both the film, the television, you know, many different aspects. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about some of the similarities and some of the differences between working
2: in the mediums, short form, long form? Sure. So um, this right now, what I do daytime this is like um i've been doing it for 20 years so it's almost like muscle memory at this point it's still acting um and i really tried to not fall into the traps of the melodrama sometimes you do you know you're just like fuck it you know i just fell into but for the most part you're trying to stay honest stay direct and again surprise yourself and your co-star um for other thing and and it's dude kevin it's so fast like i when did i work i worked tuesday and my call time was seven um i had 11 scenes first up we start shooting at 8 35 11 whoa, whoa. we shot that in two hours that's a lot of covers uh-huh. it's a lot it's a lot it's over, you know, close to 25 pages and you're just like, uh, and, and, I'm, and I'm grateful that I've had the experience. That I'm like, okay, if I have to go shoot 11 scenes first thing in the morning, I don't want to, the last thing you want to do is waste anybody's time. You don't want to waste production's time. You don't want to waste your co-star's time. No, so I'm off book. I go in there. I, I, I know the words. I know what I'm, I understand what the story is. I know what I'm communicating. So that to me is that's goes across all the mediums know your lines, know your words, like know them, know them, know them, know them, know them. And that's also for uh, like, for me too. And I'm not saying this is true for everybody, but for me in the audition also, if I'm able to prep before I like to know the words, I don't like, I'll have the pages in my hand, but for me, it's really just being there and and listening and, and being as human as possible. Um, Film, you know, for me, one of the most tedious things are it's the opposite. You're waiting. You're waiting to go up. So you might get there at seven and then you won't go up till, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon. And it's for a page and a half. And so there's all this stuff, especially if it's if it's just a new gig, you know, things happen. So I, I try to just while I'm waiting, just try to stay as centered and kind of preserve that energy, you know, don't do anything that'll bring down my energy or anything like that. Um, And then when, and then it's, and then, then in that sort of medium, in my experience, it's been much more like, if you have a great director um, someone who understands and and is in that vein of, Hey, I want to work creatively. I think this is interesting. You'll be able to discover things together. And Ah, and that's that's really cool. You have a director who's like, well, let's discover what this is together. Like, you're already coming in, you're ready. Uh, You know, do this one for yourself or, you know, just go completely in the opposite direction. And there's been times when I have had that. Um, And then, um, and and that's basically it. I mean, theater, you have, you know, six weeks of rehearsals, sometimes less, but for the most part, that's usually the, um, the standard. And then, um, you discover things along the way. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's all about really just being super prepped and then being open, right? You want to be open to whatever happens. You can't be stuck in this idea of, no, this is, this is the way that it is because you may, you may be way off, So you need to be able to open and be as fluid as possible with whoever you're working with.
0: Absolutely. And and it takes me back to your, your indie film work. Uh, you know, I, I want to talk about that great film you made this modern man is beat, which was a phenomenal performance, and how visceral and how real that felt and how natural uh, and how shocking, I imagine to some of your audiences. Uh, but it was such a powerful performance. Uh, so I want you to talk a little bit about the process of getting ready to play that character in that particular film.
2: That, that's probably, that's up there on my kind of favorite things that I've ever done. And and that's so funny because it was a short film, got a lot of accolades, but I didn't make any money off of that. And it wasn't right. like something that tons of people saw. But to me, it was a story that the production value was off the chain. David Schroeder and Alex Merkin worked really well together. And, and David, you know, to his credit, raised a lot of money and was like, we're going to do something really, really special. And he did. Um, and when I first got the script, I was like, um, I, I, you know, I was interested in producing it. I wasn't even interested in acting in it. And slowly, uh, David started dropping little ideas. Like, oh, why don't you think? And I was like, oh. so I said, let me let me really think about this, because this guy, first of all, the material is pretty scary. Like the guy's the guy's got major PTSD and uh, he's done something that's just horrible. Um, and how am I going to humanize this? And, you know, thank God i have never gone through anything like that. So it was really kind of saying like, Hey, am I willing to go to this, these places and, uh, and, and do this story, the justice that it deserves and give Habib like a real, uh, genuine voice. Um, and David was super supportive. And, uh, when he, when David in the, in the beginnings of producing it, when David signed on Alex Merkin, the director, um, funny enough, I know Danny Pino, who Alex had worked with before. Danny's another fellow actor from, uh, South Florida. And, you know, I got to see some of the work that Alex did. And I was just like, all right, I'm signed on. This guy's going to take care of me and Alex. And I've done now two other films with Alex. Um, so, and we still we actually texted a couple weeks ago. He's a great guy and super creative uh, personality, and uh, I felt very safe. And um, and and also when I had the lead, um, part of the process, whether this was planned or not, was me auditioning other actors. So Alex was already seeing what I was doing kind of what I was trying out. And he, you know, he kind of led me and we went together on this journey of Habib. It was a three day shoot um, in Palmdale, which is a real uh, desert. Um, you know, there's not a lot of vegetation out there. And I, you know, again, being open as a creative, and being there on the first day and shooting and having the sets and the wardrobe. And a lot of it just speaks to you in your character. Like you don't even have to like all the other artisans that are working on the project. Like if you open up to that, it'll just tell you what your world is. And then you can just go from there. You can use all that stuff. And a lot of times that's really helped me just being open, being like, yo, stay here right? Look at what's going on. Don't get in your head about what it's going to be. Just stay here and let it speak to you. Um, and I think in, in the collaborations that we do, I think that's, that's really helpful, you know? Yeah. Cause it's collaborative at the end of the day. Like I like, I don't want a boss or a director who I'm necessarily afraid of, or I feel like they have more power than I do. And I've had those experiences. I want a guy who's like, no, man, like, let's have a, b-. and that's what it is. At the end of the day, it's a collaboration. Yeah. And yeah. For me, that's, that's what's so cool about this, because when you have a project that really rises to the occasion, it's, it's everybody that, that brought that together. It's not just, me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it just kind of felt like the way in terms of the end film and the end product, as well as like you mentioned, the the location, it just felt like very suffocating, like this guy was trying to break out, but it's just the heat and the situation and everything around him was just pushing him to make this ultimate decision. And everything just kind of worked perfectly within the scope of the film, obviously. Yeah. So,
2: yeah. So, yeah, it's it's really fortunate that we, that we had that. And Alex, to his credit, was super keen on shooting in that particular area. He wanted it to be reminded of um um what's that um no um old man country what was that um that film no that country was, for old men old yeah the coen brothers yeah absolutely he Felt wanted like that. to have that kind of feel to it he was very clear on what he wanted yeah and when he said that I was like yeah man I'm I'm all with that <laughs> but you can't go wrong with that
1: cabin no. award winning uh a- yeah. Turn there, Javier, Javier Bardem. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, I'm a big fan. I brought the movie in and um uh, and flew you and uh, I believe Alex too for yeah. uh, for the screening that's for right. my organization that's and right. for the, the GMCVB. So that was great. That was yeah. a great. Okay. I think I was there too, Kev. Oh, yeah. yes, that's was, right. Was
0: that, that was at the Little Haiti Cultural Center. <laughs> that's I remember right. screening.
1: <laughs> that's right. <Yeah. laughs> that's right. Yeah, but you know that, that's and this is. Again, we're having a masterclass here, but I'm a big believer in that collaborative. So, you know, the director and the actor being able to have this dialogue about the character, for me, that is where the magic space happens because it allows some ownership from the actor because they're creating this character and you want it to be from an honest place. Yeah. But then you also have, you know, what the director wants. So you kind of have both work. You know, you want to also, you know, give a solid to the writer too. So um, writers out there and I'm a writer too, you know, don't get me wrong, but you know, once you're there, you know, and you're in that space, having that collaborative, it takes a lot of pressure off of the director as well, because you can sit back and kind of watch that magic happen, you know, and if you have to come in and tweak it a little bit, okay. But I've found in my experience Um, when you allow that magic to happen, then that's where some of the best performances come.
2: Yeah. And it's usually usually something really, like you said, it's something really subtle from the director. It doesn't have to be a long conversation, especially with a character like Habib, like where, you know, during shooting, I'll just, I was really to myself, like, you know, part of the process for me was just really staying with myself and not, you know, you see other people and not kind of fraternize with the crew or what have you, you kind of want to just like stay, uh, you know, personally close to whatever you're, you're going through in the direct, you know, for directors to know, just for me as an actor, I just like, like, just give me a snippet. If you're really clear on what you want, just give me a snippet and let me digest it. It doesn't have to be this long-winded conversation. Yeah. Um, because then again, you're like, you get all up here. Um, so yeah, man, I, I, uh, I totally agree. And, and, and a lot of actors don't like even having the conversations, a lot of, uh, whether that's egocentric or what have you, for me, it's, I I like it. I like having that, especially in the beginning. And then you, a director who has a lot of clarity on what the vision is, will just give you little, little, little pieces of bait just to kind of go off and, and do your thing.
1: Um, can you talk a little bit about the the long form movies? So I know yeah. you,
2: th- you played a killer. Um I Played a killer. I played. Uh, yeah, I did a, a show down there called South Beach, which was a lot of fun. Kind of almost. It was almost when like streaming took over. Kind of missed that mark by a little bit, but uh, it was a great experience. I've done. Yeah, that was a that was a Hulu show. I remember that? The Hulu show Wasn't
1: it, was that B- Bill O'Dowd's. That was, yeah, that Bill was, was
2: Dolphin, <coughs> and then.
0: You did an indie film called Magic City Memoirs, which was a feature like back, back in the day.
2: Back, back in the day. Yeah, that was uh, J.D. Frases. We're we're connected there. Oh. The streaming connection <laughs> continues yeah. on that. Yeah. We yeah. interviewed um,
1: J.D. last year. Yeah. So.
2: Yeah, I, and uh, funny enough, you guys had uh, Carlos Gutierrez on too, another. Yeah. Right. I was just talking to him after the holidays. Uh, he's got a the movie that he's, God bless it, man. The guy had incredible drive to do um what was the movie called uh he, he did a feature Lockdown, called locked in locked in yeah locked with in. Savari yeah. yeah yeah and I take my I remember that script god he's been working that for for years and he just had the tenacity to just stick with it and finally get it done. So hats off. Absolutely. Um, the um the yeah, I love playing villains man. There's something so freeing about it, not necessarily that what they're doing, but like there's something that, uh, you know, you can kind of go to these places and have these conversations and, uh, that are really not where you come from as a human being, but you also, as an actor, you're given the benefit of trying to understand these people as human beings. So there's a lot of history, I feel like that goes into them, um, I remember when i worked on um on south beach um the director had given me a bio he had written a bio of the character and i was like wow okay this guy a, a, a guy again when you get something like that like when he's got like a full page bio of where he comes from mad respect mad respect so i really appreciated that um so i i like to do that as well you know just kind of like understanding certain things and then and then i usually just let it go but to me that that's part of the process um and yeah i've you know i've worked with um, i've had the benefit of working with people like andy garcia and seeing how these uh these pros work and how you know as a young man kind of trying to learn whatever i could while being on set from seeing how they learn or how they, what their process is um and uh yeah, I don't know how much more I can speak about uh, that unless you have questions about what the the particular show or or movie.
1: No, there is something that you know. What I tell my students, and this is more like in the technical, and I think this is on both sides, is I tell them you know you should know your character yeah. from the time they're born until the time they enter into yeah. that particular, whether it's television or whether it's Theme. film right. or yeah, the, yeah, until the time they enter that there because then instead of you know just operating off of what you think should happen you operate off of the motivations of the character and you know what the character would do in that moment so yeah. that that preparation uh you know says a lot
2: and- yeah and 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 again it's uh depends on the project like if you like I literally just went through this. Like I, I, I got a, I had to put myself on tape for for a pilot, and there was very little, very little written about the character. And it's like, okay, well, what am I doing here? <laughs> and I, and my wife, who mm-hmm. who usually helps me with these tapes, who's uh, kind of a disgruntled, uh, not wanting to call herself an actress, but she's a very good. Uh, she just has great taste. Really knows understand and we have a very easy way of communicating what it should be. She's like, do you even know what this guy is? And I was like, babe, I have no idea what I'm doing. So we literally had to step back and take another look at it. And finally, I think I got something, but you know, with a lot of things, it's just sometimes and and directors, and I've heard directors say this and I feel the same way. It's like, when you can, all those things, I'm, I'm not denying what you're saying, but when you can be the most human uh, on screen, people call it being natural, what have you. That's in the same vein. Well, I'll just call it human for now. I feel it's such a compelling thing to watch on screen. You know, yeah. Honest, a, without, I, can't my eyes, I, I can't take my eyes off of it. I really can't, and that's... Yeah that's what i'm fighting for um it's uh it's hard um and especially when you can find the humanness in a character who's supposed to be the the, the the villain of the film or the bad guy you know you're like oh shit i'm i'm empathizing with this horrible human being you know right but but i think that
0: brings up interesting points about humanity and finding humanity in every character right okay. and the, and the reasons why they- they do and that like as opposed to the old school westerns not everything is black and white you know the world is full of gray oh, so, uh, yeah. right so you find justifications in the good the bad and to use the
2: western phrase the ugly yeah for sure and that's interesting too because it makes you for me it makes me look at human beings as not one not black and white it's like no there is there's a full human being who made some Probably not not some good choices, but you're still like that that was a human being at the end of the day. Something happened that spiraled into whatever he or she did.
1: Yeah. And it's it's oftentimes said, you know, you're a hero in your own story, even if you're a super villain.
2: Even yeah. if
1: you're a villain, you know.
2: Yeah, there's something driving. You have to it.
1: find that human humanity
2: in it. Yeah. Yeah. So no, all, absolutely. All this conversation makes me miss going to the movies. I really Yeah, like it. <laughs> yeah I me a, too. I have like a huge project I have a projector in my house that I'll put on it's just but it's kind of like a pain in the ass to put it up every time. But when I get those moments, those two hour gaps between parenting and work, I can <laughs> kind of watch a movie, it's like, oh, oh, it's so cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Have but you guys that's- got the movies down there? Because I know theaters are open down there
0: they they are in a limited capacity like and and like I said I have a family as well and as you know and Kevin too it's yeah. so hard to find those moments but the one moment that we did share was able to to be go to go to a movie together and so yeah now it seems like it's out there like the Silver Spa which is in downtown Miami they're sort of opening up now uh but it's really, and this is something that me and Kevin have to talk about all the time on Screen Heat, which is the industry, right, and where it's going, where these theatrical debuts are no longer as important, so long as they serve the streaming wars, right. So now you have these kind of day and dates. So now you, as the consumer, have to choose: Do I want to go to the movies with my whole family and spend a hundred bucks, or do I want to stay home and spend ten bucks a month and watch it on Disney Plus or Amazon
2: or, or Netflix? Yeah. For me, there's something to be said for the spectacle. Like, I like sitting in a movie yeah. theater, turning off my phone, having to stare at this, you know, huge screen and and being affected by that and not having any distractions. Hmm. You know, you're there, you're sitting there, it, it. It's just, it's a lot. And yes. I, I really enjoy that. There's uh, certain I- movies
1: that you have to see, you know, with the the big grand you know buildings and you know you're out in space right. and you're you know there's just certain movies yeah. that you yeah. just cannot get that same experience yeah. no matter I mean there are some people who have home theaters that are as big as you know the theaters that that we go to but you know they call it the big screen for a reason so sure. yeah certainly I missed that one thing we should talk about on the next screen, Heat jail, and I'm gonna bring this up now. Is uh, drive-ins have made a big comeback? It looks yeah, like yeah. we're gonna. It looks like we're gonna have a drive-in downtown. We,
0: we We have
2: one. It's actually a, did Emilio, it open up already?
0: Emilio and Gloria Stefan's son, yeah, uh, Na, Najib opened up a, a, a drive-in in downtown Miami. Very cool. Yeah, which is super cool. But but again, I think that's all like almost there. And the Netflix experience is great, and the drive-in experience is great, and I love it. But I think part of what's still missing and going back to what uh, what Jordy said is not just watching it on a big screen and being and experiencing the spectacle and the surround sound. But in a community of people that you've never met before, total strangers that that are reacting to the same moment at the same time as you are, they're laughing, they're crying, they're cheering for the same moment as you are in the that gives me goosebumps yeah and i don't think that any sort of streaming service or even a drive-in because again you're isolated in your little cocoon
2: can replicate no definitely not not. and and i hope to god it doesn't go away because um when things go back to normal that's going to be I'm saying it's going to be on my bucket list to go back to the movies. I really want to, I want to go. I want to have that. And I want to see a great, great movie. I want to have that experience. I want to laugh. I want to cry. I want to hold my daughter's hand. I want to see her have, you know, the experience too. Um, God, I think the last movie that I saw was um, in the movie theater was the one that won best picture last year, the Korean film. Parasite. Parasite.
1: That's a that that's a great one to see in the theater, actually. right? Oof. Yeah, oh yeah, This super
2: powerful. Yeah, yeah, it was really, really cool, really well done. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah, that that and then. You know, obviously something that, you know, we're all a part of and have been and still are film festivals. Right. So you're in this community of filmmakers and producers and artists, and you're all kind of sharing these experiences. And then you go to the after parties and you talk about it like that kind of like to me, film is more than a business. It's more than an art form. It's a community.
1: No doubt. Yeah. It's like a living, breathing thing. Yeah.
0: It's a living, it's an organism. And when you sever that, I feel like even with Zoom chats and all this stuff, which is awesome, that technology has been able to keep it alive. I feel something very real and very visceral is missing right now from our industry. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And I've I've been, you know, heartbroken because we have a film that's been doing really well on the festival circuit. Um, I would have said last week we've been to 11 festivals, but... You know, we have two more that we were just accepted to. One in Bristol, um, right. yeah, and so that's definitely a place I wanted to go. You know, and yeah. you know, it's been in festivals around the world, and I've definitely wanted to go and have that camaraderie and seeing your film up on the big screen oh. uh, is an entirely, you know, it's an entirely different experience. Um, one thing that I'm happy about, and we've talked about this on screen, he might. We actually have the very the ne- next episode that's going to come out. AMC, I had some stock in AMC that was just, like, doing terrible. It, it was beaten to a pulp up until December. And then January came, and I saw it going up and up and up and up and up. And then these traders um, that are on a subreddit. The Reddit started, kids. <laughs> the, yeah, they started um, talking about um, GameStop was first, and then uh, Black uh, BlackBerry, and then AMC. And it no. shot the uh the stock through the roof.
2: Wow, congrats.
0: And,
1: yeah, Great. and AMC, well, I did okay. I didn't have like- <laughs> you know, I, I keep telling Kevin he's $50, buying lunch. $50,000, and I next, wish I would have, because I'd be a millionaire. Next time I see Kevin,
0: he's buying lunch, because he's into Reddit, he's into like yes. AMC, GameStop, he's into like what, Elon Musk and Tesla. He's no, buying there, lunch.
1: There was a guy who put $53,000 in that stock, and he came out with $16 million on the other side yeah 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 so i was i was happy at my little bit but i was like oh my god i was wondering if i should put in a little bit more no it's too late but (laughs) anyway because of that it saved am well it didn't save because they were already on their way but it made sure that amc would be able to weather the tide at least into the end of the year the beginning of next year which you know hopefully it's enough because then the vaccine comes back so that does give you hope you know that if it, it's the biggest theater company in the world, if they're going to be able to weather that storm, then, you know, hopefully, you know, we'll be able to as well. So um, we I think we're coming to the tail end and I'm, I, I want to rush in as many questions as I can as we come to the tail end. But you said something a little bit earlier that really sparked my interest. And maybe it's something I'll be giving you a call about later. Mm-hmm. But you said that um, at first you thought you might um, step into the ring In producing, um, this modern man is B. Have you thought about producing further, you know, whether it's, you know, small screen fair or big screen fair or short films stepping into the ring?
2: Yeah, I have. Um, to be honest, um, it's just a lot of work as you know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Don't I know it. And what it is, I, for me more than anything, it's, um, getting captured by that idea that you can't say no to. And I yet to feel that um, it comes, you know, I think we all have seasons creatively speaking um, that you just get whew, something grabs you and you're just like, Oh God. Okay. Now I have to go down that road. Uh, it hasn't happened yet. Um, I've had a couple beats like that in my career where, I've gone close to producing things, and then in LA, show business can get a little. Uh, you earn your you earn your your stripes with it, you know. You you can get right. kind of like tossed around and get you know bashed. You can and figure out who's real and who's not. Um, you know, I, I would definitely. Funny enough, people have talked about this modern man being made into a feature. Um, that's something I'm into. Right. Um, But, you know, right now, um, I'm just enjoying this ride, to be honest. Uh, I really have been proud of some of the work that I've done on the show. Um, I've been happy that I've been able to take care of my family. You know, some of the most trying times is between gigs for me. I had two children. I didn't have a, I didn't have a consistent gig out here and it was, it was tough, you know, made me really question like, well, I'm, I can't be selfish anymore. Having children yeah. is the most selfless act I've ever dealt with ever, ever been able to be part of. Um, so, but to my wife's credit and to my friend's credit, they're like, stay the course, bro, stay the course. So for me right now it's it's this and uh, and just doing it to the best of my ability. So, so hopefully when a producer does see some of my work, even though it's on the small screen, they'll be like, oh he's interesting, I'll, I'll use him. So never always always staying sharp in terms of what I do and, and grateful. And then yeah, if something does present itself that's like interesting. Uh, I'm ready to go. But as you know, Kevin, it's it's a real producing is is no joke, man. You really yeah. have to be willing to um, be patient and uh, go through a lot of trials to to bring your project to fruition. Yeah, uh, takes a lot of sacrifice, man. And, yeah, uh, you know, and, and also you gotta like know like who's real who who and who's not because talk is cheap, bro. <laughs> Cheapest <laughs> currency in this town. Yeah, uh, you know, you fool around and waste a lot of time. Yeah, you know, and I've been down those roads and um, had some fun while I was doing it, no doubt. Um, But for the most part, it's uh, and it's a learning experience. You learn a lot about what this this business is, you know. Yeah,
1: we have um, one of our guests, uh, Carlos Rafael Rivera, who's a composer. He composed the music for. Um, he actually won an Emmy for Godless and he also composed yeah. music for the Queens gambit. And sure. so, um, I was listening to an interview. It was actually an interview with Frank Scott, the creator of the Queens gambit. And okay. he said it took 30 years.
2: For oh, you the mean Queen's Scott gambit. Frank? Uh, Scott Frank. These Scott people Frank. with the two front first, no, first and last. No, I, uh, know, I, know Scott. I know Scott. Scott directed me in a pilot, uh, for fox with paul giamatti oh I wow to, i got to meet frank and work with paul uh, that was 2016 maybe i never saw the pilot but it was yeah um, that, yeah that wasn't too long ago yeah no no and and i got to work with paul who's one of my one of my heroes yeah mine uh, too. i'm a big yeah, billions fan he's, he's 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 amazing uh but scott is uh he's awesome He's a a great, great director and writer.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I love both of the shows, but um, he said that it took 30 years for The Queen's Gambit to make it to the screen. It went through so many directors, so many, you know, writers. It was going to go on the big screen and then, you know, finally. So it does, it takes time. You know, when you're you're producing some things move fast,
2: some slow. Right, and if you have that, if you find something that speaks to you, whether it's, I got to be an actor, and knowing that at six, or you read something, and it just like compels you to move forward, and you're willing to make the sacrifice, then I think those journeys are really worth pursuing. But I I feel for me, in my life, it's just like, you're struck by this vision. It's like, okay, there's something here that's and it comes and goes, and there's times when you you feel it, and there's times when it's like, okay, it'll come, it'll happen. Um, but yeah, thirty years um, took Carlos Gutierrez, I think, like ten years for for uh, lockdown to or locked up to come out. Um, you just got to be willing to to weather that storm, man, and yeah. believe, believe that the story is worth telling. You know. Yeah. So, just spoke about journeys. We're,
1: as I said, coming to a little bit of the tail end of this. But there are two questions that we ask. We ask our guests at the end of our Screen Heat Miami journey. So we're about to hit you with these questions. Okay. And um, oh yeah, we'll we'll let uh, we'll have J JL tee off the first one. This is the big
0: two for part one is now you are in Back to the Future, right? This is your movie and you get to go back in time as Jordy 2021 and speak to Jordy when he was just a teenager, just a pup studying theater and acting in high school. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your teenage self
2: in Miami? Knowing what I know now, um, I'd say don't, um, just, just, uh, just shut the F up about your own, like, drama <laughs> and just, do, do, just do the work, man. Don't get caught up in a bunch work your ass off, do the work and, and don't get caught up in whatever other shit that's not serving you. <laughs> I mean, I think actors can get caught up, and and creatives can get caught up in, oh, making excuses. No, no, no. Just work your ass off, and 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 or figure out how to work. If you don't know how to work, figure out how to do it. But I think it's really work your ass off in terms of like, um, the the work, the you know, on yourself. Um, and and really know what you want in terms of like what you think I, what you think acting should be like have a clear understanding of what it is. Uh, I didn't grow up in the business. Um, my kids have by default, and I kind of am proud of that because if they, if they want to pursue a crazy career like acting or something, the allure is taken away from it. You know, and I think for for me as a young man, like there was this whole allure of what it was. And I was so like, well, what is this now? It's like, no, it doesn't matter. It's like, I understand what it is. And I have so so much more of an understanding of who I am in this business. Um, so I, I, that's what I would say to myself. I'd be like, shut the F up, dig your heels in, do the work.
1: Love it. Yeah.
2: Great response. Great.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we might have to put that on the website. Shut the F, <laughs> F up, and F do, up the and th- do the work. Do the work. Yeah. Do the work. <laughs> um, so I'm going to tee this one off. And I have to say, uh, you know, you're super humble. You know, you've had tremendous accomplishments. But I have to let the have the audience know that you're also an Emmy Award winning actor. Although, you know, you don't uh, put that in the front at all. Mm-hmm. So that... For me, it goes hand in hand with this question, which is,
0: I would have put that in the shelf right here. Like, that's <laughs> right here. <laughs> hey, don't
1: forget, guys. <laughs> if we were live, we would have demanded it. <laughs> but, um, but, and this is important, and I'm learning too because I'm still uh, in front of the camera from time to time. Sure. Um, what advice would you give actors, both actors that are trying to get in?
2: actors that are already in, um, for their careers. Um, again, I would say if you're going to start doing this, you definitely start on theater, like get, you know, get your licks in theater, really start there and, and get your licks. Even if it's picking up, a, like, go through the best plays from the last 10, 20 years, read those plays and then understand, understand them, understand the text Understand why they were so important and got all these accolades. And then also get into a casting office. You know, that whole casting office thing is that's almost like, you know, that's when you're up to bat because first impressions, you know, if you kill it in a room, you'll have, you may not get the role, but the director will be like, man. I got to remember this guy for another role. And then the casting will be a fan of you and they'll keep bringing you back in. So it's really understanding that audition process. And I think the best way to understand it is by sitting in a room or by going to, you know, one of these, sometimes they have classes where they actually take like our class that we took, you were able to see, like, watch how somebody was working. I think that's so important. And also the idea of modeling kind of like, um, find an actor you that speaks to you that, and then see if you're able to find out like how they made it, what the steps are that they did to, to do what they did. Um, it's all there. You just have to kind of figure it out. And that's the thing about really this career. It's kind of like there's no way to skin – there's not one way to skin the cat. Like you can just – you could be creative about the process and you can kind of discover like – how it will really serve you. And it'll take time, but have fun with that part. I think people at the end of the day, they all want this end result, right? They want to be uh, in the trades and have that movie come up, but you got to enjoy getting there and, and finding the, the love of that too. You know, Absolutely. Great advice.
1: I mean, we can't we can't put that whole bit on the website, but uh, <laughs> but it'll all
0: be on the podcast, Kevin. <laughs> That's right.
1: That's right. But that was a nice, you know, multi-layer. You know, the meat. So get the meat of it, but also understand the bread of it. You know, yeah. so awesome.
0: He's Just like a be- medianoche, a Cuban man. Got the meat and the bread. <laughs> the sandwich in the world.
1: <laughs> it is. Um, thank you for this. Uh, Cafecito shot. Yeah, for sure. Sir. Hope you guys. Uh,
3: yeah, hopefully I'll likewise. be out in
1: LA pretty, you know, soon enough. We have we have that. one festival. Our first festival that we that we um that we got in with the film I told you about, uh, the slam down emergence, slam dance emergence. Um they didn't do an online version. So they've just waited, you know, until until all of this is over to actually do the festival. So, you know, I'm looking for that to be my first trip out to la awesome when everything kind of opens up so hopefully i'll see you soon enough sir in person
2: hit me up up when you're on the west coast
1: absolutely uh but thank you very much uh this was not only your journey but it was something that's tremendous for people both in the industry and people not in the industry so thank you sir
2: i appreciate you guys I appreciate what you're doing (laughs) thank you thanks
1: jordy We got to keep the man, bro. 305. 305. And we are back. That Ah. was an Emmy, Emmy award worthy interview.
0: Can we get nominated for that? I think the podcasts have their (laughs) own awards, but they definitely get something. But, uh, but yeah, Jordy's awesome. Such a great talent, great friend, a local product here from our community. Just doing some amazing work.
1: 305. Keeping it live. All day. All day. All day, my friend. Every day. Every day.
0: But yes, I think now we've teased it enough and we need to get to this just sultry tale of royal epic proportions. Mm -mm. Fizzling. Fizzling. So, someone that comes from our industry, uh, actress... Turned royal, turned media mogul, Meghan Markle. And her better half, or I guess her other half, Prince Harry. Or He's I guess former Prince Harry. Half
1: of that not sure how that
0: works. Half of that mogality had a bombshell of an interview that was aired on CBS by the great, we mentioned the queen of interviews. Oprah Winfrey interviewed both of them in their new Southern California neighborhood. She's and so good. there was just one bombshell after another. She's incredible. Like, the way she a lot of that. By name that. She literally asked, she asked what everyone's thinking in that moment. It's
1: like, oh, you gotta ask about that. And sure enough, there it is. And nobody feels hurt. That's the magic. No. <laughs> she hits yes. you in the head with the baseball bat and you're like, hey, can you give give me another lump? <laughs> Can I get two? Like
3: Pepe um, debut.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Oprah's
0: phenomenal. The way she just kind of weaves the story, draws the audience in, draws her guests in, makes them feel so relaxed. <laughs> and just kind of tears down those boundaries, you know, those, those walls that celebrities tend to have around them. Yeah. You know, imagine this couple. Not like the royal family, but this couple just been so swamped by paparazzi and and endless amounts of reporters from the tabloids and just constant barrage of questions and intrigue. And she's just able to relax them to the point that they they spilt some serious. Earl P. tea,
1: Earl. Serious. P. It was a tea
0: party. American style.
1: <laughs> we did say at the top of the key that this was pun laden. A pun-laden episode, so... It's a (laughs) pun-cast. That tea party, that's right. (laughs) That's right, man. I couldn't even believe it. I mean, I thought it was going to be heavy, but, I mean, that was some heavy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and pulling some serious numbers for CBS as well. Apparently, 17.1 million viewers, which has been their biggest hit, essentially, since the Super Bowl. And they're just, you know, now, uh, you know, continuing to kind of promote it post interview, but this has been this was just a monster hit for CBS. That's again. old school numbers. numbers. Old
1: school TV mm-hmm. numbers.
0: 17 million. Yep. Primetime CBS, eight o'clock on Sunday, right after 60 minutes. And they just went right into it and and teased it very well. And now obviously the British tabloids are dealing with it. The royal family's dealing with the fallout. I don't think there's been an official response from them yet, but they were, you know, just some you know, fairly serious arrogations in terms of the royal family's um, sort of comments towards the future prince, as well as sort of um, pushing this couple aside uh, and and kind of forcing their hand, according to them, uh, to, to sort of you know move in another direction. At one point, they said there wasn't enough money to pay for Meghan. Maybe she should consider, cons- you know, acting once again in order Going to just kind to of work. Earn her keep. Yeah. Which is crazy because, you know, th- there was that viral video, if you remember, of, of Megan and Harry chatting up Bob Iger. I think, I don't know if we mentioned it on a yeah. previous podcast.
1: We did mention it. You know, it.
0: but apparently they were asking for work. And we wonder, wow, what a weird thing for a royal couple to say, not knowing that maybe it was the royal family themselves saying, hey, she's got to go to work.
1: Don't you know so. Bob Iger? <laughs> don't well, you I got meeting a meeting coming up? <laughs> I know you had that meeting coming up. Get out there!
0: By the way, she did. Yeah, get out there. You know, but but yeah, she you know she did. She wound up getting a voiceover gig. I don't know if you guys saw it. It's on Disney Plus as well. Uh, It's an elephant. It's like a Nat Geo elephant documentary that she narrated. So she did a good job. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. But I mean, she's she's a really great actress. I really I loved her on Suits. So Mm -hmm. you know, it's not like she doesn't have the chops. And by Harry talking to Bob Iger, it's not like you know he's trying to get cousin second cousin right. removes sue right <laughs> that's an extra on the set no no megan oh, yeah, has the yeah. chops and she's beautiful no, on she, top of that she, so absolutely
0: gorgeous and she has like you said she has, she's got the talent and you know she that's the world she came from you know she she basically was saying she was sacrificing her career to now enter into this new phase of her life which now Ironically or coincidentally, they're right back in because as, as I think we were mentioning off Mike and Kevin you can go in more detail, they've got some pretty
1: big deals both at Netflix and Spotify now. they got some coin mm-hmm they got some coin fifty well, million reported on that Netflix deal twenty five million reported on the Spotify deal mm-hmm seventy seventy five big ones.
0: Oof. Well, I guess if you're going to maintain that crib in Oprah's neighborhood in L.A., you got to you got to be bringing in
1: some coin. Right. The Royals said they couldn't afford they couldn't afford the security on Archie. Right. They had to get out and make get out there and make that money. So. Right.
0: And I- And and what about the foresight of Princess Diana actually leaving a sort of independent trust fund? I'm assuming it was for both sons. Yeah. Uh, But Harry was able to sort of tap into that in order to make this transition happen, which, you know, now in hindsight, couldn't have come at a worse time, essentially, right at the beginning of the pandemic as we were about to go to lockdown is remember when they were making that transition from London to Canada and then ultimately to LA with the help of another Mr. Tyler industry. Perry, Mr. Moneybags himself, Mr. Perry in the 11th hour, you know, letting them crash at his crib in LA
1: probably it wasn't 11th months. hour. they just like Hey, just phone right. call. Stay for just a minute. Stay. You never see him. It's 363 acres. He's right. over there this place not doing anything in California so
0: right right so so you know they, they were very gracious house guests I can imagine uh, cute little Archie who's grown up now they have a second one on the way and and apparently you know a couple of major Hollywood deals and taking advantage and, and Harry even said you know we hadn't considered streaming well that might be a good idea and now look they're they're all up in the streaming.
1: Man, you know, that kind of broke my heart when they said that Archie's complexion mm, was a yeah. topic of conversation. Yeah, that was a tough one for sure. But I'm not gonna opinion on one side or the other, but I do encourage, and we we talked about this. The last season of The Crown was uh my favorite season of all the seasons of right. the crown. Watch the last season of the watch all the seasons of the crown, but watch the last season of the crown before. You weigh in one way or the other.
0: Right. And and now I guess the big question is, was this sort of a soft promo not only for previous seasons of The Crown, but could there be future seasons touching on the Harry and Meghan saga?
1: (laughs) What a way to end it. I mean, you got choked up. We couldn't even hear you. (laughs) The queen (laughs) got your tongue. I'm a little forclent. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> anyway, the queen is neither a queen nor a monarch. All right, let's continue. No, 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 but we do need to mention that Meghan and Harry said the Queen didn't have anything to do with any of it. That is she correct. Was, she is yes, out they, of it.
0: They were very kind to the Queen and to some of their family members. You know, they they alluded to the estranged relationship now between the brother, the father. Uh, who is the future King.
1: Well, it was well more, it saying, was more Prince Charles. It was a different kind of estrangement. Right. Kind of felt like Prince Charles was the one that was bringing down the axe, but right. whatever. What it, I said, I'm not going to opinion one way or the other. Right. Yes. I think that, I that did, will work though.
0: itself out. I, I think that will work itself out over time. And, you know, I, I hope that everything works out for everyone and everyone can kind of move on. and, and, and we will always move on because there's never a shortage of topics on the streaming wars and
1: and being let's just get one more let's get we one gotta more. get one more in Only right, one, more. one more all right all right producers let's get well, it. we talk about all the awards but you and i both being producers uh, intern andre is an up-and-coming producer by the way but uh both you and i being producers the producers guild awards we oh, need to yes, talk a little bit about that
0: absolutely once again being led this year by the streamers including particularly Netflix and Amazon at the top of their game once again just clean in house
1: at the PGAs just clean in house
0: yes absolutely and and you know it, it makes sense that the PGAs tend to usually follow sort of a similar suit as the Golden Globes and, you know, another predictor eventually, I think March 15th, right, is when the Oscar nominations are going to drop. Uh, they've been delayed to April. And so I think you just kind of start to see this trend, particularly during this last pandemic year when there was little, if no theatrical at all, that the streamers would be the top dogs in all these categories.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, um, um Minari continuing mm-hmm. continuing yep. streak. I still haven't seen it um, you know Minari is still 20 bucks right Th- that price has not dropped to a regular rental right. you know it's been and so and it's a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes the people love wow. it critics love it so it's one of those um, no Man Land continues Nomadland yep Nomad Land, yeah Nomadland Continues its mm-hmm. streak. One
0: night, in, one night in Miami is doing its thing. Also an Amazon title. Yeah, just so, one after another. Mank, I think I believe was nominated for Netflix yeah, Mank. as well. Yeah. So so yeah, that it's just you know it seems like those two power new powerhouses, relatively new, that are just outpacing the legacy studios one year
1: after another, at least yeah. over the last couple of years. Yeah, and it's funny because they were like the the stepchild. When they first started coming out with um, with titles, they're mm-hmm. like Netflix. Come on, come on, little, right. come on, little one.
3: You that's tried,
1: you, you tried, <laughs> <laughs> and Netflix well, that's, was like, I'm gonna show you a try.
0: Try yeah. you, yeah. I think when when House when House of Cards came up, they were like, hmm, interest. That's almost That's like HBO type stuff. But that's cute. That's a one off. It's never gonna happen again sure enough it's just been one after another but their
1: originals so, their episodic so you originals have- you know even uh, be- because you know they kind of started off with house of cards and you know they were they were doing quite well with their episodics the movies on the other hand you know there was a lot of back and forth and chatter about whether they were going to be able to pull off um you know titles of note and they really have started a route it's i mean that i mean that is that is something and yeah. in just a few short years obviously 5 years really um yeah it's the whole industry has been a turned meteoric, on its head
0: yeah a meteoric rise that again has only been sort of exponentially uh accelerated due to the pandemic you right because people, folks didn't have that choice anymore to go to the theater. Let's see now as theaters slowly start to reopen. Uh, I'm not sure if we mentioned this on or off with it with intern Andre that, you know, this past weekend was the number one box office weekend since the start of the pandemic. We did uh, mention that. And, and so that we little to, we by little, that. yeah. Yeah, so, you know, Raya the Last Dragon was a Disney title that was released both day and date with Disney Plus as a premium offering, as well as, and I think a little bit over 2,000 screens in North America. And did relatively $8 million, which is not great for Disney, but considering the numbers over the class, last 8, 9, 10, 11 months was a good sign that little by little theatrical may be coming back to life and how will that change the dynamic for the streaming wars in the future
1: well I saw that my AMC stock has shot up 15 percent today there you go percent so that's saying something Cinemark one one percent so yeah and you know I, I received the vaccine uh, on Friday the first shot of the vaccine. And from what I understand, the Biden administration wants to have enough vaccine for everyone by the end of May and reach herd immunity by the summer. Which right. means, you know, moving towards the end of the year. You know, things should return to some kind of normalcy. I mean, I know there's some states that just totally opened up. They're like, woohoo, Texas, yeah, they opened everything up. Yeah, but right. And, you know, there'll be an effect for that. And that, you know, will I think in the short term boost some sales, but, you know, it's really feeling like the pendulum is swinging towards uh, the favor of the theater's doing okay right. and coming back. So. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So let's see what ultimately ends up happening if these theaters go back to full capacity, particularly in the major cities, you know, we know that New York and LA does drive the majority of theatrical exhibition and as they start to get back to 25% 50% eventually 100% capacity, you know, will the studios then first of all start to respect uh, you know, sort of the the timeline, right? For theaters to allow that that exclusive window, or will the premium Disney Plus versus day and date with a theater become the norm? As one of the others has been claiming to do.
1: They have to respect it, and I'm going to tell you why. Because there's a lot to be said about the tentpole, and we talked about the tentpole in Geordie's interview. Um, and so, I think Disney, especially now they need that tentpole feeling mm. that huge boost from the theaters with those Marvel movies. And so if right. you have to respect one sector of your business, that means you have to respect the other sector. So they're going to need those releases, those Marvel releases for uh, the theaters and the theaters then will come back and say, okay, if you're going to do this for the Marvel releases, then we need this much for these other releases and then you know everybody kind of falls falls in suit after that. Warner needs some some of that tentpole feeling too. Viacom does too. So theaters will be back. Right. Oh, yeah, be. yeah I, they'll be back.
0: I don't I don't know, Kevin, if that's your AMC stock talking or you, but <laughs> I will.
1: <laughs> uh maybe it's a little bit of both. <laughs>
0: That's but so uh, cool. but yeah, no, absolutely. I, I hope so. I, I just, you know, I, obviously being, you know, film guys like we are, we love the the, the idea of a communal experience of watching something in a, in a communal setting, in a darkened theater, on a big screen, uh, which is, you know, something that one thing that the streaming wars hasn't been able to emulate, at least yet, is that sort of communal gathering of storytelling, which yeah, I hope man. survives
1: all of this and, and, and-, and grows. And, and as a producer, I mean, you know how it feels to see your film up on the big screen. I know how, right. do, how it felt to see my film up on the big screen. And there's nothing like that feeling. So, Oh, yeah. And there's nothing like the feeling of Screen Heat Miami, baby. <laughs> yeah, we are that's rocking. right. We're going to keep it rolling. Intern Andre hung with us to the end. So Absolutely. Um, thank you, Intern Andre. You and remember, that was that was a Screen Heat exclusive. We have to go back and see which episode. It had to be around episode... 28 or 29 that we have brought
3: that in. The- I might have another exclusive. It's another prediction, maybe. Oh! They, uh, they snagged a, that Disney snagged a writer for the new Haunted Mansion, but they're buying Guillermo Toro to direct. Oh!
1: That is, that is something. Okay. Okay. See,
3: I- not confirmed yet, but you know, it, it's out there.
1: It happens. You're right back. I mean, you know, you're back with us all the time, but yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, we're looking for that. You we're may have just opened that. Pandora's Labyrinth there with that <laughs> one. So We started with a pun. We're going to end with a pun. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, JL. <laughs> and thank you all for listening. I'm Kevin Sharpley. And I'm JL Martinez. And this is, oh, an intern Andre. And this is the Good one morning. only screen heat Miami. <laughs>
0: Bom. <laughs> Dá